trials, and it's not our trials, the trials, our testing is in those dark places. The trial is for the enemy. What's on trial is the, the trespasser in our soul trying to convince us of a lie. Okay? Does everybody have a Bible? I don't run around Carl Ragged today. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, I love this because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word that we can break through that darkness of the past, of the thing that is being changed in us. It's only through the, power, through the help of the Holy Spirit. If we don't use the power in the gift God gave, gave us, what is it for? It's only through that. Okay, let's go to James 1, uh, 1.12. Everybody knows this. And I'm going to read it for you guys. It says, blessed, happy, and to be envied is the man who's patient under trial, excuse me, and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, power to possess that which God has promised to those who love him. So there are promises that God has for us in this enlarged place. There are promises God has spoken to us through prophetic utterance, through time spent with God, through um, a mentor speaking into your life or a leader speaking into your life. And what God is saying through this scripture is you will be in the trial or you will be amongst the trial and you will have temptation before you can obtain that promise. But then it says, blessed is the man who is patient during that trial and during that temptation. I don't know if it's in James. No, it's not in James. Um, there's a scripture that says that you cannot be tempted. You, there's no way to be tempted unless you have a desire of your own. So truly, it might be in James, but truly, is it? <laughs> Good. All right. This it says you cannot be tempted unless you have desires of your own. So in the rest season, we had an, we had the opportunity to see where our desires really were. Because if we were tempted to get out of our rest, that means that God wasn't we haven't been satisfied with God in that area. God should be our only desire. He has everything. He can fulfill everything that we want, need, desire. All of the above. But when you want him, he draws everything that he has to you through him. So I think last, well, I think this the ending of this season. And we're all kind of shifting, um, entering into the promise. Some, some people have already received promises. And, um, and we're in that transition because we have, what, nine days left before we enter into October. So we really get to know by the end of this season what desires we had. Because that's how we were tempted. Okay. Blessed, happy is the man who is patient on the trials and stands under temptation. For when he has stood the test, for when you have stood and not moved from what God has told you, promised to you, you will receive the crown of life. Power to possess, the power to actually obtain and hold on to the promise that God has for you. After you have endured and stood your testing and your temptations. How many feel like this, the last three months have been horrendous for testing? Like, goodness gracious, I thought death and burial was the test. 
and then you enter into the rest. I think every part of the all four seasons have their their testing and everything. But I mean, really feel like they this was this is a little bit more. It came strong. It was intense. It came strong, but because knowledge came forth. I don't know any other ministry that is teaching the seasons of God's movement like we are. Like how you have to die to the old man and how that old man has to be buried. And after you bury the old man, you have to enter into a rest with God and not be moved off your rest. And then there's a season of receiving from Christ. Because we received that knowledge, Satan had to come a lot stronger. Because it's through knowledge and understanding we can defeat the enemy. The Holy Spirit is is prompted to move on your behalf when you have knowledge and understanding. He doesn't work. He can work in ignorance. But think about how much power comes behind when you know what's going on and you have an understanding about what's going on. So he had to come a lot stronger. That's why I'm saying a lot of things got resurrected that we thought we were done with. And you think, why why am I still having thoughts from 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago? And I thought I overcame that those years ago. But it's because that knowledge and understanding of what seasons we are in came forth. But you will receive the power to possess that which God has promised to those who love him. Okay? Y'all know how God and Jesus knows that we love him, right? When we obey and keep his commandments. If you obey and keep God's commandments, moving through the the trials and the testings is going to be but a breath. Because the word of God is going to take standard when that thought comes that is contrary to the word of God. Taking up a standard, it's like a flag. It's like a staff with a flag on it. It's going to stand guard, and it's going to push back the lives of the enemy. Okay, let's go to Philippians 3.14. And this is what the word says. Say amen when you when you got it, when you're there. Say amen. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, I'm done with that trial. <laughs> I'm going to do that on a Saturday night. I'm going to do that on Saturday night. Mess everybody up. All right, Philippians 3.14 says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God is in Christ Jesus. This is the mindset you have to be transitioning from the rest into God. We really should be in some serious worship right now. There's a grace for worship too right now because as the trials or the testings and the temptation gets tougher, God is opening a window to press in harder with him. Remember, the word says that he will not give you anything more than you can bear. Our way of escape a lot of times is praise and worship. So we have to learn how to praise and worship, and we have to engage in praise and worship. We have to practice uh, praise and worship. Okay? But you press towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God and Jesus Christ is calling us upward. Upward. We have to look upward, and we have to stay focused on what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father is activating and what he's doing in our lives. All right. Let's do Luke 9:62, which is an excellent scripture because this is this is how our focus should be. When you decide to, when you have a conversion experience, no you, like when you decide I'm going to live for Christ, this is how it should be 100% of the time. It's not wayward, it's not back and forth. It's straight and forward for God. And this is the word But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And what I have on here says, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back to the former things or your past is fit or ready for the kingdom inheritance. We have a kingdom inheritance. We have kingdom promises that God has 
ordained and has promised us. But if we're always looking back, how can we obtain what God is trying to bring to us in the front? How can I be prepared for something if I'm living in the past? If, how can I be prepared for something of my future if I keep focusing on, on the past? And I love that it says that um, you're not ready, meaning that God doesn't remove the opportunity for you to receive that. How many times have we all looked back and was like, dang, I wish I never went back that way. It happens a lot in the early stages of the process. Whereas you want to, you know, go out and party still or listen to the wrong music or that type of thing. Oh, it wouldn't hurt me or doing this. You can't be in God's kingdom and then in the enemy's kingdom. And you really have to have a knowledge of what God's kingdom is to even judge. But how many times have we gone back and then we missed that or we prolonged that blessing? I can always look back at, at Tori. How long it took me to marry her? Shoot, how many times did I look back and I was focusing on the things that we had in the past, which would, not let, would never allow me to really receive her as a promise? Thinking that I had, to, I had to fix myself in this area, I had to fix myself in that area, which were things of the past because I was already changed, to, to receive her as a bride. And for some, it may be ordination. Um, for some, it may be reconciliation and family. You can't go back to the old things, thinking about how my mom or my daddy wronged me like this or... No, seriously, or how my husband or how my wife is acting like this. God may have a promise set for you, for your family with a spouse. But if you continuously meditate on the wrong that they've done, how can God bring forth the promise? God says he gives, he doesn't give uh, our gifts with, with sorrow. So if I'm focusing on what God wants, what God, if I'm focusing on the bad in my life, looking back, but the promise is ahead. If I receive that, how can I truly enjoy what God has given me in that moment if I'm still focused on some, on the darkness or, or the bad or the things that God didn't promise us? You can't really. And God never wants to give you anything that you can't fully enjoy. All right, Matthew 6, we all know this, but seek first the kingdom. This was like the first scripture. I say that about every, this was like the first scripture I got. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. How do we seek first God? Worship. In heaven, worship is 24. It's not even in time, so I don't know what I'm saying. 20, it's eternal. It, it never ends. There's, there's no time to put around what worship is. But that's what is in the on the throne in the throne room of God. Angels constantly some revelations back and forth. Holy, 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 worshiping God. So if they're if they're in front of God and they're seeing God and they're still worshiping, what do you think we should do? We should be worshiping to be to be before God constantly. I say that is the number one way to seek the Lord and worship because there's a clarity that comes when you worship. Because the word says that where the name of the Lord is uplifted, the enemy must flee. So all of us have, everybody deals with two thoughts constantly. You have thoughts of light, which are the thoughts of God, and you have thoughts of darkness, which is the enemy, right? The devil. These two influences are trying to speak to us, right? God wants to advance his kingdom through our mouth, so he gives us thoughts. And Satan wants to uh, advance his kingdom, so he sends us thoughts so we can speak them. And whichever thought you take, it becomes your thought. It becomes your own thought. Okay? But when you praise and worship God, you can hear 
voices leaving. It's like, have you ever been in worship and then you hear like voices in the distance or things kind of really just fading out of your soul? That's when you know you're really entering into God's rest. And that's the process, too. Sometimes it happens like that, depending on, you know, the, the, the renewal or the attack or, you know, what kind of peace you have with God. But sometimes it, it can happen in an instant. Like the moment you lift your hands and you really surrender everything to God. And I think a lot of that is based on the renewal of your mind, how much word you have in your soul, Rima word, implanted word of truth. But when you worship God, you can get God to come to where you are or you can really ascend to where he is. And I think that really should be our goal to ascend to where God is. The Lord gave me a revelation. I think I talked about it maybe last Wednesday about how when you are, I was in a plane. Yeah, y'all was, y'all was here for that. But when you're high, perspective is different. Things that seem large are actually small from a higher place. So if we can ascend to where God is, we can get God's perspective on things, which is his wisdom. And we can look at things with authority and with power and not as a, uh, a small or a insignificant being and something that's so great, like the world or like a building. So worship, I, I say seek God and worship. You got to get some good music to really edify your soul and the word that got the and edify the word of God that God put in you. And then the next way you see God is through his word. You have to read and meditate on God's word. God's going to speak to you through his word. That is a guarantee. That is a guarantee. So we must seek him through reading and meditation. And you can't meditate on the word of God unless you read the word of God. Okay? And then you have, there's two, there's two differences, man. And then you have prayer, um, where you just, you talk with God. Prayer is an exchange where you talk to God and he talks back. It's not like you're sending mail. It's like you're having a conversation. Sometimes prayer can feel like you're sending mail to God and you're waiting for a response, but it's actually where you communicate with God and he speaks back to you. Okay? How else do we seek God? You said what? I think you can seek God through the beauty of his character, through acknowledging the things that are around you that God's created, and just ask God to reveal himself to you like that. Um, But I would say the main ways is through worship, meditation, and reading of the word, and through prayer. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So if you're seeking God through worship, prayer, and meditation, Everything that you've ever desired, God's going to bring to you. He's going to add to you. And I also believe when you worship God and you get close to God, the things that you used to think you wanted, you really don't want. He starts changing desires. It's in Psalms, I think, where it says, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And the Amplified, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. And I always love that part about the secret petitions. Because there are things in our heart we don't even know that we want or that we desire. But delighting yourself in the Lord is delighting yourself in his word. Again, you must meditate. You must read. But I think that's really cool because um, my desires have changed over the years for the things that I wanted and the things I wanted to obtain and um, the things I wanted to achieve. But that's only through seeking God. Because when God starts satisfying your soul in areas, 
the things you used to have a taste for, you no longer have. That's why it says taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like one, I think it's in Psalms 2, where it just basically breaks down taste and feel and all these different things you should do with God because he's greater than your natural senses. And all these things, all your promises will be added to you. Okay, then we have Acts 22. We have to transition from all seasons. But what God is doing in the glory season or the season of receiving or the resurrection, he's bringing things in our life that are going to put us at all. And when they put you at all, you don't want those alls to become your God. So now we have to be prepared to transition. Seeing the rest, God has satisfied everything for us. Or that was his intent to satisfy everything for us. So then when we receive, that satisfaction will never be overruled by the promises that he gives us. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if we, if we exit the rest season without being satisfied by God, when God starts blessing us, those things he blesses us with are going to become our gods. All right. This is what Acts, this is what I have for Acts 14.22. It says, we must enter the kingdom of God through many hardships and tribulations. We'll go back to that just for a second. Um, many people think when you come to God, life becomes easy. When you, when you give your life to Christ and when you really commit moving with God, people believe that, um, or some believe that everything is going to be squeaky clean and that you don't have to worry about the hardships of life. And that's a lie from the enemy. Because when you're advancing something of any worth, there's always going to be an opposing force. Always. There's always going to be an opposing force. So God uses these opposing forces to equip us and to train us to advance his kingdom. So as we're advancing God's kingdom, he is training us. And I believe one of the main ways God advances his kingdom is through testimony. No, people can try to discredit the word of God or... They can try to, you know, rationalize or scientifically prove that God doesn't exist. But, you know, the one thing they can't take away is your experience. They cannot tell you that God didn't do that for you or they can't tell you that you didn't feel God or that you didn't experience God. Your testimony has so much power on it that it has the ability to destroy the works of the devil. It says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So. Oh, that has something on my my forehead but to believe that we're not gonna and this is what i love when things start getting worse we know we're moving right when things start getting harder that's a good sign now there's there's something called like a a carnal or fleshly hardship where you cause things to come to you because of disobedience and where you cause things to come to you because you're still acting in the flesh and because you're sinning but if you're not actively engaging in sin and you're pressing towards God, there's an opposing force. And that's where trials and tribulation, that's where God tests the word that he's placed in your heart through revelation. So that's why we all got to examine. Am I still, all right, this is what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. That means not adhering to the law. You know how people speed? Oh, I got grace on me. And then they get a ticket. Oh, Lord, I need mercy. You know what I'm saying? That's breaking the law. When you uh, cheat on a test, um, when you lie to your boss, that's lawlessness. That's sin. Anything that is breaking a law is sin. Um, 
knowing the right thing and not doing it. And that can be um, relative, right? Because a person in their heart can know what to do because God is asking them to do it and they don't do it. And that's sin. All right. And then you have anything that's not of faith. So you can have thoughts that are not of faith. You can have actions not of faith. And you can have words that are not of faith. That is sin. And then you have missing the mark that God has called out for you, meaning God can call something for you in life and you can genuinely know it. And you just abort that. You basically say, I don't want to have nothing to do it. And all those, the first three are encompassed in missing a mark God has called out for you. All of them are really based under lack of faith, too. They all kind of entangle. But if you miss the, the mark God has for you, that is sin. So don't cause additional <laughs> trials and temptations. You know how you do that? By opening up your mouth, by thinking bad thoughts, by not doing what God is asking you to do. Too much to bear? Yeah. Uh-huh. The question was, you can say it and I'll repeat it, baby. Yeah, I'll, you can say it and I'll repeat it. Um, but can we oh, too late now. Camera's here. Mike's here. The word says that the Lord will never give us too much to bear. Mm -hmm. But is it a possibility for us to put our own stuff on us and we can't bear it? Yes. And a lot of times that's how God causes you to repent. Yeah, we need the mic. But there's also a scripture that says that if you, if you do enter into that temptation, that the Lord provides a way to get out of it. Way of escape, yes. I think that's right in that same book, ain't it? Corinthians. So if you invite more than you can bear through sin, um, through negligence, through lying, whatever it is, um, missing the mark, um, that's not God putting it on you. God is sovereign. So God has power over everything. He's in everything. He is everything. But God is not a, an abuser. He is not a uh, dictator. He's not causing you to make choices. So if I make a choice that is not conducive or it's not in agreement with what God has asked for me or what God is requiring me to do, I am inviting things upon me. But God uses those circumstances. This is how he's sovereign. He uses those circumstances because he knows they're going to come to draw us closer to him. Because when we don't have anything else and we're at our lowest, God is saying, come here. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do it. That's when we all cry out. When we hit a circumstance. No, it's okay. I forgot what I was going to say. No, I, I, I lost my train. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead now. Oh, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Yeah. So, I'll say don't invite it, but God uses it to mature us. The next scripture is Matthew seven fourteen, and it says, Carl, would you turn that time around for me? I'll stand right here. 
It says, narrow is the gate, contracted by pressure, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. All right. I'm going to have to be honest. I feel like that narrow gate is right now. Like, I feel like we have to really squeeze to get into that enlarged place. I feel like there's a lot of different things coming together. I'm just talking personally for me and my family that are trying to influence us and come against us from all sides, which is creating this, this funnel or this, this doorway or this, this path. And we, we can't even, in a sense, acknowledge what's to our right or to our left. But we really have to press towards the door. And the closer we get to the door, the smaller it gets. And I feel a lot of us are that because we've lived in lives. We've lived in our past. We lived in the old man's way of thinking for so long that every time an old thought comes, we really, like, in, I don't want, instinctly, but naturally, we want to believe it because it's been our truth for so long. But as we're pressing to the enlarged place, the, the new mind, the, the mind of Christ and the promises of God, we can't really even pay it no mind. And the closer we get to the change, the more the attack or the more the compression happens. You can physically feel it on your body. I think that's when <laughs> the spirit realm gets so real to us. That last, I don't even say last mile, that last quarter mile, where we really have to kick it in the gear and stay so focused on Christ that nothing else really matters. We could be losing our house, we could be losing our car, we could be losing our kids, we could be losing everything. But I gotta say, focus on me and I'll take care of it. Because look, this place has some size to it because it has years and years compacted of the junk. But as you squeeze through it, you're coming to such a large place that is so colorful. It's so real. The things are so different. It is. It's, it's, it, it, can, it has the ability to be so much greater than what we used to know. So much greater than what we used to know. But we have to get through that door the right way, God's way. And if we don't get through that door, we're going to go through the same cycle. And the moment we take the bait on the right or the left, we basically enter into another path. It's that serious. It's that genuine. It's that real that any agreement is pulling you off track. But if you stay focused, you can move into that enlarged place where your promise is and where you have love, faith, and hope. And that's what your substance is in that enlarged place. It's not the things of your past. It's not unforgiveness. Those things aren't feeding or fueling you anymore. But faith, lo faith love, and hope are fueling you. God is fueling you. The things of God is satisfying you. You're no longer being offended by the things that used to offend you. Like somebody, like kids get mad when somebody cut them in line at school. Those things don't bother you no more. Or somebody cutting you off in traffic. Or people lying to you right in your face. People still do that. It won't offend you. And you won't have unforgiveness towards anybody. Because what God has given you is so much greater. His love is so much greater than those things. You can't even give it any energy because you know it would disrupt the flow of what God is doing in your life. All right. The next scripture is Matthew 13, 21, which I think is so awesome. 13, 21. And this could, let me see what it says on here. Yet he has not, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Okay, this is what was highlighted in my, my verses. For when tribulation or persecution arises 
because of the word. How many times have somebody said something that is from God and then something is triggered in you? Like there's two ways this works. So when somebody is speaking life, and just because somebody speaks life doesn't mean you're going to like it. Okay, when somebody speaks truth, it doesn't mean you're going to like it. But how many times have someone has, in a loving heart, spoke scripture to you, and you, in a sense, got angry, or you rejected it? Like, I ain't trying to hear that right now. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm in a dark, small place where I'm still in my own forgiveness. How many times? Yeah. Constantly, we've done that. But that only arises because God is sending his truth. Right? If we can take hold of that word, God is, he'll, he'll, we can literally hold on and ride the wave of grace through that trial of temptation. But on the other hand, how many times has someone said something that has not been so nice, that has been mean, that has really bothered you because you know the truth and you took heed to that? And that took you on a spin cycle from, from hell a roller coaster ride from hell. I'm going to tell you this. This is so funny. I wish I could have been there. We had a pastor's conference. <laughs> we had a pastor's conference. It was wild in this camp. People were getting just laid out everywhere. And um, I think Gene spoke prophetically over me. He said, um, he said, you did have one thing, right? <laughs> Landscaping. The landscape of your life is going to be different in a couple of months. I'm paraphrasing and making it real small. And uh, <laughs> this is funny. Gene's my spiritual dad. So I, everything he says, I take, I take to heart. I, take, I heed it. But he didn't know that I had just received a word from God about Tori being my wife. I told nobody. I wrote it down. I heard it three times. And so we're, after pastor's conference is over, we recover, everybody's recovering. We go over there and we sit down. This, out of all the days, Tori sends me this <laughs> message. Boy, this is classic. She sends me this message, and it's like a video message. And it had this John Legend song on it with pictures of us. Oh, <laughs> I was so happy. I, I, I like stuff like that. I show it to Gene. Gene says, when I show it to him, I say, hey, Pop, check this out. When he looks at it, he said, all I, all I remember hearing today is that the Lord said that your, your, your landscape is going to be different in a few years. Or not a few, in a few months or in September at that time, I think. Oh, my gosh. I was crushed. Immediately, I took that as he was saying, Tori was not my wife. Because he said something was changed. Tori sent me something like declaring her love. Are y'all following me? Yeah. And he said, all I know is that the Lord said that your landscape. Oh, y'all probably didn't think it was funny as I thought it was funny. When I look back now, it's classic. It's hilarious. Because when he said that, it's like I became this small. Oh, I was tiny. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I didn't say it in my heart. Like, what do you mean? Like, bruh, I know what I heard the Lord say. Like, what, 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 what you saying, dog? You know what I'm saying? I didn't say anything. But then tribulation came in my soul. Your boy was back and forth on waves. Every time I thought I heard that she was, boy, the next thought was, no, she not. Seriously. God was really testing the word that he gave me. I'll never forget that. I think it's funny now because I was, I was struck. I said, oh, my God, what do you mean? 
What do you mean? Did you not see the pictures, the picture video she sent me? And he said, all I know is the Lord said. I said, yes, sir. You know how like your, your eyes start and then your lips start quivering? I wanted to cry. I didn't know. But then I went to two, three months of hell. And then God eventually answered and all is good. That's because I chose. Because truthfully, if I was setting what God had told me, that wouldn't have shook me. I wouldn't have stumbled, which, which the rest of that scripture says. I stumbled after that. But that's when the word comes. When the word comes, it's testing either where you are in God or the word that God is giving you. I love this. Psalm 6610. Yeah. I don't know if I got a scripture a long time ago about being tested by fire and the furnace and stuff like that. This is what it says. For you, O God, have tested us, and you have refined us as silver is refined. All the testings, all the trials that take place in your soul, um, every tribulation, it's really to refine us for our call, our assignment from God. A lot of us in here, I believe everyone that comes into this place has a magnitude ministry. And what I mean by that, it can be magnitude to your life. It doesn't mean that you have to be ministering to millions or thousands or hundreds. But what God has called you to do, it has significance to it. And in order to be effective in that, you must be tested and tested and tested through trials and tribulations that God allows to come upon you in order for you to be advanced in his kingdom. God has many, many many ministries within a person. I think that the, the, the place we're moving into now in this day and age, you have to be equipped in so many areas. You have to be educated. You have to, be, you have to know scripture. You have to have money. You have to have a business. You have to have some sort of influence, which is, which is the spirit of God. I, I'll tell you that. You can, you can move mountains by just the spirit of God. But to really be effective, God wants to bless you in every area of your life. And all of us have multiple areas. A lot of us have families. A lot of us has jobs. A lot of us has businesses. A lot of us has ministry. God wants to bless every area of that, of that life. And he blesses us based on obedience. But obedience comes testing and trials. So if God is testing us in these areas, he's equipping you and bringing you to the next level of glory and the next level of faith in him in order to advance his kingdom. And that's what we all want to see. I know ministry this year was a, a, a major year for me. I was looking back. I was talking with Todd today. And I think by December, I would have been, or January or February, I would have been doing Wednesday teachings for over a year. And in December, I would have been doing Omega U for two years. So I know God is advancing me in ministry because I'm being more active in ministry. I'm being tested more in ministry. But then there's other areas of my life like business that I, mean, I, had, I was tested today, whether to tell the truth or lie about something. Of course, I told the truth. But that's how you get tested. And then with my family, I got two kids, one's 17 and one is six. I'm continuously tested in that. But I want to see God's glory in every area of my life. So we have to go through it so glory, so his glory could be made known. I'm a firm believer that if it's not, and I don't want to say difficult, but if there's not really a struggle in something, how much glory can you really give God? If there's not a battle, if there's not a fight, that is beyond your hands, 
How can God receive glory? I, I love it. It talks about Pharaoh was created for the purpose of God's glory being manifest or being made known. Pharaoh, King Pharaoh, who, who ruled bitterly over the Israelites. And that tells me that God can create things that we attach ourselves to that defeat us over and over again in order for his glory to be made known. Many testimonies. I was telling Kathleen and her mom last night about how I accepted a trial because I married a girl in high school. I didn't marry in high school, but my, my ex-wife, I met her in high school. And it took me like nine, ten years off track. But I accepted that test like after, after the fact. But I took that test. I took that trial because I wasn't heeding the voice of God. And the moment I did what I was assigned to do, God said, this is what I intended for you to do in the very beginning. Which was salvation. You see how God used that entire time for his glory to be made manifest. Seriously, it was beyond me. Now, I don't think that, I think God gives us choices. I could have made the right choice in the beginning and God could have had his glory made, his, his, his glory to be made known. And I would have did other things in that time to progress God's kingdom. But it didn't happen that way. But God used it all. And it's an excellent testimony. I think it's awesome because when God uses you, there's no denial. You just know that it's beyond me. I probably shared that testimony before. But if I didn't go into that trial, if I didn't go into that tribulation, and if I didn't have those hardships for those many years, I'm not saying we have to have them, but God's glory truly was manifested out of it. All right, Psalm 65, 11. We only got two more scriptures. You can really talk about this all the time. I mean, like over and over again. You know, there are five crowns described in the Bible that you receive. It's different crowns. Your crown, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. So the end of this year is about to be crowned with goodness. I believe the whole year was crowned with goodness, but I think the showering of his goodness is about to come. And then your paths drip with abundance. So when you enter into that enlarged path and God starts highlight, like by his word, illuminating these paths, abundance is going to be there. Like I have goals for each area of my life for next year or for the end of this year. And I believe abundance is coming with those paths, with those goals that God has for us. So you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drips with abundance. And then Psalm 67, 5 which is what we all should do. Let the peoples praise you, oh God. Let all the people praise you. When we enter into the, the last season, the resurrection season of this year, praise should be a normality in a sense of it should be automatic off our lips. When, when people start seeing how God is blessing us, how our life is being changed and transformed supernaturally, we should first thing give glory to God and praise him immediately and say I had nothing to do with it and praise him. And then in that praise, we can ignite and illuminate praise in another person. Praise is so powerful. Because if you can learn to praise or if you can praise when you don't want to praise, God is really moving on your behalf because you're stepping out of your flesh and you're stepping into the spirit. But this next season is going to be 
extremely, extremely exciting. This is the, the first time I feel like in the last, I'm coming in, in November, I've been coming to Kingdom Life for three years. This would be the first year out of three years. I feel like I, I have like some ground with God and I'm not back or I'm not peddling the fence about wanting to do this or wanting to do that. I have clarity about wanting really God to move on my behalf and not really afraid of what the decisions that I have to make for God. And that's what I'm really excited about because you want to be in a place where you can just say yes and you just move to what God is asking you to do. And that's what I really feel like this year is going to be, well, the end of this year is going to be for me, transitioning into the next year. Um, and we all are going to make major moves. I feel like there are a lot of people coming into the ministry that are getting this revelation so they can receive their promises. And then they can advance God's kingdom in their life for the time and for the sake and for the purpose that God has destined for them. Many of us, man, many of us have such a great call and such a great purpose that God is ready to just launch it now. Like I can, I can almost feel like he's, he's ready to do it now. He's ready to do it now. But we have to be willing. We have to go through the test. And we have to pass the test. And we have to go through the doorway of change. And we have to squeeze through that, enlarge, um, through that narrow gate and just allow God to be king and let Jesus be king and let God rule. Amen. We got any questions? Any questions? I didn't really, I love you. I didn't really talk too much about the chart, but I think. Are they? I just think um, I'm very happy that Kathleen made it tonight. Kathleen's a homebody. Kathleen is my age. She has a beautiful son who is four years old. He looks like he's 12. Um, and we should really welcome her to Kingdom Life because I think we're going to see a lot more of her. And she needs, most people in here are your age, our age. So these are people our age that love and serve God. Here on a Wednesday night when it's dark out, they come on Saturday nights too. So I'm like, we're here every day of the week, man. For real. But it's the real blessing to serve God and live for God. All right. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you. You're so worthy of all praise and all honor. We just thank you for your word, God, and we thank you that you are transitioning us into the enlarged place and into the promises and being resurrected into a new life in you. I thank you that your word is real and that it's sharp and it's powerful and that it will do what it was sent to do. So, Lord, I thank you that you have empowered us to obey, you have empowered us to worship, and that you have given us a spirit of praise, God, to glorify you in all things. So tonight, Lord, we ask that you be magnified and I ask that you touch each and every person individually, Lord, and let them know that you are there with them and that you are willing, that you do want to fulfill the promises that you have set before them. So in Jesus' name, we love you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And in Jesus' name, good night, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name. Jesus. 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 Holy is the Lord, worthy to be praised. Yo, I called him on that song, and he done swept it. It's a Wednesday. You can you can use it on a Saturday. <laughs> hey, just so you know, I'm sending it to Gene tonight. So oh. hope, so hopefully he plays it Saturday night. <laughs> Baby, meet Kathleen. No, you ain't meet Kathleen yet. I feel like I already know. You think so?
That was a good song. That thing was hit. I was happy you made it. I was like, I hope Robin's here to hear it. Could I have played it one more time? You could have played it four more times. Yeah. Because I felt that it's like it kept building, didn't it?